Walker. Here we go. We're on. Nice. I am aware that tonight uh, Todd and Karina, Pastors Todd and Karina, are off with several dozen youth off a, a camp. So they're doing awesome things there. So we're just praying blessing over them. Lord, your spirit to fall on our, our uh, wildfire teens. In Jesus' name. I want to. I have a testimony to share. <clears throat> couple, couple nights ago, um, I was in a, a half asleep, half awake state, and um, and in that place, I, I was sleeping, and all of a sudden, I just my spirit just kind of goes, Jesus, and um, but I'm still, even though even though my my spirit suddenly awakes, I've never really experienced something quite like this, but my body is still in that half awake, half asleep state at the same time. But my spirit's going, Jesus. And my eyes are awake now. My eyes are open. Um, and I, and I kind of look, and then I see um, Jesus sit down on the corner of my bed right there. And, um, and <laughs> exactly. Norm- <clears throat> I've, I've heard about this happen with people, and I've heard, I've heard um, how a lot of times they're like melted or, you know, fear of the Lord or various things. They can't even move. But I, my body stayed in this half-awake, half-asleep state. So in that state, even though my spirit was wide awake, it was the most natural thing in the world for, for me to sit, see, see him come and sit on the, on the edge of the bed. And then he um, leaned over towards me and came down as if he was going to give me a hug. But instead, he just melted right through my body. And, um, and there I sat. And <laughs> it was wonderful. I, but... I didn't like, you know, jump up out of bed then and go write it all down. It was just like I laid there and went, because ah, it was the most natural thing in the world. My spirit was like, yeah, well, of course, Jesus just did that. And my body was still half asleep, so I, I don't know. I just kind of laid there, and I guess I fell asleep after a while. But that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that. So I pray the whoosh of Jesus over each of you. Because you know what? He's leaning into you. <laughs> Last week was quite a blast, huh? With Chris here. place was packed to the gills. I think everybody just said, I don't know. I don't know if I could take two weeks of that. So, I so all you faithful ones, thank you. Um, I just have a quick question, though. How many of you who are sitting here, I'll, I'll say it in the positive so that you aren't in trouble if you weren't here, although you're going to find out if you weren't because your hand's not going to be raised, but if you were here two weeks ago when I preached on, on uh, the, the vision about family, what God was showing us about family, raise your hand. So Okay, so about two-thirds of you, three-quarters. Okay, good. I just kind of, as a speaker, kind of want to know, you know, how far I'm back I'm going, who I'm talking to. Um, I want to share with you a little bit about that vision again. I'm going to do it in a really shorter way and then move into a, a message. But I think it's really important um, to explain it again. So if you were here and you remember when I grabbed my 
uh, gold flags and I started waving them like this, you know. Remember that, those of you who are here. So I was talking about the presence of God. and um, But I have a visual for you just to, just to re-explain what I was talking about. After Leif came and, and explained just um, how he has seen, how he has uh, blueprints and has seen this, this heaven-to-earth family uh, atmosphere, and he said, there's something here blazing fire. You guys are like on it. Um, that very soon, intentionally, you're going to start walking into this amazing place of love and a family. So I began to... Um, I'm sorry, so we had Leif share that. Then we also went on, a, on an elder retreat. And, and God began to show us pictures of what he was doing. And this, the best I can put it in picture form, I'm just going to try to explain it for a minute. But as you see, um, Blazing Fire Church is, is truly all about the presence of God. That's, what, that's from, we're ten and a half years old or so. We, ever since the beginning, we have been about the presence. We want to be a place where uh, God feels at home. Um, where he is so honored and welcome that his presence flows freely and that people come and experience him. We don't want to talk about him. We want people to experience him. So that's, that's really what Blazing Fire has been all about. And then I explained how um, as, as heaven looks, let me see if this is working, there we go. Um, as, as heaven's looking down, there's a, there's a little family together. There's a bunch of families all around, but there's a family called Blazing Fire. And... Um, you can see we're all kinds of colors, which is good. Um, and uh, so this presence is supposed to flow over us, and it's supposed to change us. And it's supposed to, uh, in the midst of that change, and in the midst of, of uh, experiencing God, um, there we go, we, um, we start to have passions and dreams from him. They just start flowing out of us because, because he breathes us to life again. A lot of you had passions and dreams when you were young and they kind of got, you know, uh, squatched or squelched or something. And uh, he say, no, it's okay to dream again. It's okay to have passions again. And those, and those dreams and passions take us out to make a difference in the world. We're supposed to go change the world. We're supposed to take the fire that's in us of the passion of God and going and changing the world might mean, like Janie, you go halfway around the world, but it also might mean um, going to your school, going to your business, wherever you are. That's, um, that's what we're all about. And as, as an elder team, and as God was speaking to us, we realized that for a decade we've been super good at um, welcoming the presence and experiencing God. It's been awesome. We're actually pretty darn good about having people dream and, and let their passions go because um, that's a lot of what our School of Supernatural Ministry is about. We're giving people permission to dream again. Um, but what the Lord showed us is that, there, that the one area that we really, he really wanted us to focus on right now was the family. And um, let's see if this is going here. Come on, baby. There we go. Hey, for effect, there you go. Um, that, that this is what we're going to focus on. And, and it's not that we're going to change being a presence church because that ain't going to happen. We're going to be all about the presence of God, but we're going to intentionally uh, grow together. 
Um, we're going to intentionally find out who wants to be part of a family where there's where you actually there's there's more covenant. I'll be explaining that in the coming months, but where there's actually commitment to each other, where there's actually accountability. Some of the stuff that honestly, when you talk about it, it makes you a little nervous. And it really is one of the reasons why we steered so clear of it for so long, because we were afraid of people thinking we'd be controlling. And, and if you've experienced that, it's not fun, and we don't want to have anything to do with that. But we also realized that in not wanting people to think that we were controlling, we also gave away the intimacy of family and belonging that everybody is just hungering so deeply for. A couple of things this is, is going to mean. One, one wonderful thing um, is uh, Sunset Community Church, who, as you've seen quite the uh, change in the sanctuary here, they actually changed next door a bunch as well. They now have a fellowship hall that can seat 200 um, over there, and it's beautiful. And um, we, we couldn't use it before because it was attached to their offices. Well, now when they've redone it all, now we can use it all. So there's going to be a lot more things we can do, and we are going to do it uh, more, more things together that are very intentional. A lot of it will, will be having fun. There may be a meal before or a dessert after Saturday night. There's things like that we can do now. Um, which we're really excited about because because a lot of you come from all over the place and and uh, you know you don't see each other all that often and it's like it's kind of nice to have a place to do that. We're also talking about gatherings where we're going to be a lot more intentional about um, learning how to um, how to uh, be in relationship with each other because we got a lot to learn in that area, myself included. Um, so all that's coming. Uh, our, our vision builders, if you were, were a vision builder, we're going to revamp all that. We really are. You're, you're going to see some real changes. The elders have been meeting every single week right now because we feel like we're in a really important window where we're, God is speaking to us and we're, we're dreaming together about, about what this uh, family change is going to look like. So that's just a really quick recap. If you want the long version, go on podcast. It's, it's already up on our website, and that's um, blazingfire.org. Okay, tonight I want to talk about um, specifically healthy relationships in the family of God. Yeah. But the thing is, is it shouldn't just be a boy and his stuffed animal that love each other. You know what I mean? Because um, that, you all know that, right? That Calvin and Hobbes, you know, Hobbes is just a, a, a stuffed animal that he imagines is real. And the same with Winnie the Pooh. And if that ruined your world, I am so sorry. <laughs> And so, Santa is real. It's <laughs> so. Notice I said healthy relationships. Some of you are saying, "What's that?" Um, we're going to talk about what healthy relationships are. But first, we're going to talk about unhealthy ones. So, in this cartoon, the woman looking across at the guy says, "Of course, I can accept you for who you are." You are someone I need to change. <laughs> oops, someone said oops, that's a good oops. Um, unfortunately, that's what we often think healthy relationships are because if people would just behave the way we want them to, then we would feel much healthier. Uh, unfortunately, that's not, that is absolutely not the way good relationships work. So we're going to talk about good relationships in the kingdom tonight. I'm going to use a book that I love. If, if you're looking for a, a, a new paraphrase, just to something that's fresh for you, I love this book. It's The Heart of Paul. Um, it says, 
Anytime you, you see a paraphrase, even, a, even a, um, a version of the Bible, um, any version of the Bible, don't, don't kid yourselves into thinking that whoever the people are who wrote it and who interpreted the, the Greek don't have some glasses on because they do. Everybody, the reason why there's different versions is because everyone's got a slightly different take on things based partly on how they're wired. Um, just like all of us would do something different if someone told us to draw a picture, if they told us all to draw a flower, think of how different that would look with all of us because we all see it a little bit differently in our minds. Um, same thing with versions. And this guy tells you right up front what his glasses are, a relational paraphrase of the New Testament. So, oh, his name is... Um, Ben Campbell Johnson. That was for the sake of the podcast. Ben Campbell Johnson. And he says right on there, it's a relational paraphrase. So his glasses, how he looks at the world, is all about relationship with God and with each other. And I love reading this uh, paraphrase because of that. It, it just draws out all the yummies in Scripture that have to do with how we're relating to each other. You're going to see that. I'm, I want to read from uh, the book of Colossians from several, several versions, uh, several passages in Colossians, several verses. And as I do, um, well, I wanted to tell all of you, if you've not read Colossians at all or lately, it's a great book. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Colossians and Ephesians are a couple of my favorites. I mean, I love it all. But uh, Colossians is only four chapters long, so you could do that. You can get right in there and read it. It's, it's great. The first chapter is all about the majesty and the immensity and the greatness of Jesus. And, and that's where you read things like everything was made for him and by him and through him and in him all things hold together. You're just like, wow, Jesus is amazing. That's what Paul wants you to do. He wants you to go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's pretty much his goal. And it works. If you ever read that, it's, it works. Starting in chapter 2 and 3, he starts talking more about relationship. What, in other words, what are you going to do with this wow Jesus that you have, who, who you are one with? And it actually has everything in the world to do with how we relate to each other. So the next, the first passage I want to read is Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. And again, everything I'm reading tonight is from that paraphrase called the heart of Paul. And he says, this is the, the uh, Colossians 2, 2 and 3. I want each of you to be more at home with yourself. I want you to be more at home with yourself. That actually kind of means that you like yourself. That you're okay with yourself. And um, that's a hard thing for a lot of us. Which is why it follows on the heels of, don't keep forgetting the context here. You just looked at Jesus and you went, whoa. And he says... Yeah, while you're looking at Jesus, see how he's looking at you and start being at home with yourself. Be more at home with yourself. Have unity and love. I want each of you to experience fulfillment through a growing confidence and understanding. Fulfillment through a growing confidence and understanding. Remember when Leif was with us? He said, we've got... I wish I could do his accent perfect. We've got to understand the... Sorry, I'm gonna, not going to do it well, so I'm going to stop. We have to understand the times we are living in. We have to understand what God, who God is and what he thinks of us because what we understand, we will value. What we value, 
we can then steward, we can take care of it. See, we won't take care of things that we don't value, that we don't understand. And then he goes on to say what we steward, we will multiply. And what we multiply, we will have authority over. But it all starts with you have to understand. So this is another uh, prayer here. He, Paul is praying that we're going to have a growing confidence and understanding. And to affirm the secret God revealed through Christ. So how are you going to know this? Oh, got some good news for you. The secret is Christ. Christ is the key that unlocks the treasure chest. Woohoo! Of God's wise purpose and plan. Now, that treasure chest, I have some more great news for you. That treasure chest that Jesus opens up is not out there somewhere. It's right inside of you. You don't have to go very far. Where are all the riches in Christ? In you. See, we've got to get this. Otherwise, we're always grabbing out there for something. Lord, I don't have. That's where that orphan spirit comes from. Lord, I don't have. I, Lord, how come? And, God, and God's trying to help us to shift our way of thinking, to shift our understanding so that we will value what we carry. Amen. Carry the riches of heaven right inside of us. So what Art was just saying, we tap right into it. We have it all inside of us. All right, so that's Colossians 2, 2 and 3. Here's the next one. Here's Colossians 2, 6, a couple verses later. Keep on building your style of life on the relationship you have with Christ. On this foundation, stack the brick and mortar of your daily choices. Ooh. Wait, that sounds like we have some, like some personal responsibility here. Hey, that's exactly what this means. That's exactly what this means. It means that um, I, I will say far, far too many Christians are still living as though they have to change their own life. Meaning, I've got I've to turn my life around for God. And as we all know by now, how's that working for you? You, you can't do it. So there's that side of things where, where you can't just say, well, I'm going to get my life straight and turn everything around and then God will accept me. Well, guess what? You're... You're, you're living a losing battle and, and you're always going to feel unaccepted because you're never going to measure up. So stop playing that game. Instead, you are completing Christ. He's already done everything for you. So where do the choices come in? Well, because he's given you freedom. Woohoo! He purchased freedom for you. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why this is so important. Because without freedom, you can't truly, truly love somebody. There has to be choice in, in, in love. And not just one choice uh, one day when the two of us said, yes, we're going to marry each other forever, and we stood before people and said, I do. That's awesome. But if that's the last time you make that choice, your marriage is doomed to failure. I have to choose every single day of my life that this is my special bride. This is the one I choose. It, love is a choice. And, and do you, don't you think there's a lot of choices out there, other things that we can choose that... You know, that destroy us? Of course there are. So then you, then you can go back, though, into fatalism. Well, I don't stand a chance then. I can't, I, can't, I can't battle against the enemy and against sin. And No, then Jesus will say, no, you've forgotten the treasure chest inside of you, and you've forgotten the key of me that unlocks it all, because I already defeated sin. I already overcame death. I already overcame all that for you. So to be in a place that says, I, am, I can't help it, I'm just going to sin because 
Oh, wow, I can't help it. Now, now um, that's an excuse. Um, that's actually, um, you're in a place of, of um, being, the word I'm looking for is, uh, is, my brain is escaping from me. Um, everyone's trying to help me. Okay. You're, uh, were you, uh, anyway, I'm going to move on because I don't know the word I'm trying to find. But, but where, where you just don't feel like you have a choice and uh, a victim. There you go. That was the word. Took 30 seconds to find victim. You see, I just don't have a victim mentality, so I can't even pull it out. <laughs> that is a victim mentality. So if you're around people where they don't seem to, they know Jesus, they can even be filled with the Spirit, and they're in a very defeated place, and they're in this place that just says, I can't help it, that's the way it's going to be the rest of my life. They're, they're, they're struggling right now with being a victim. And Jesus' Jesus' answer is, know who you are. I'm going to tell you again who you are until you believe it. Ask for help. If you're really smart, ask for help. I'll, I'll tell you what, the worst thing you can do is, is pretend um, that there are no problems. That's not good. Go ahead and tell God. God, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I need some help. But, but not, and God, I'll do better next time. That's back to you fixing yourself. That's not going to work. That's not what he's asking you to do. He doesn't even want you to pray that. He's saying, God, God, remind me who I am again. Tell me who I am again. Tell me I'm a prince. Tell me I'm a princess. Tell me that the kingdom is mine. Remind me. Put it deep inside of me. And with, with the knowledge of who I am, I'm going to start valuing it. When you value it, you're going to start making different choices. That's, see, that's how this works. He gives you the power to make the choices, but you still have to make them. And you will have choices every day of your life. Even people who are set free from addictions, from, from pornography, from uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, even if, you were, even if you've experienced a freedom, don't kid yourself into thinking that the choices will go away the rest of your life. That's not true. You have to choose over and over again, who, Lord, who am I? Who am I? Oh, wait, I'm choosing the higher place of love. I choose to love myself because I value myself. Because I know how valuable I am to you. I'm going to value myself. I'm going to value, value the people around me by making choices that are now rooted in love and rooted in royalty. And that's true for every single one of you. That's the journey. But he says, I go with you. Never once are you alone. You do not have to do this on your own. That was a good word right there. Okay. Had to get the Chris Valentin out of me. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Here's another one. Oh, oh, Danny Silk. I went on his Facebook the other day and pulled off a bunch of quotes. I have, I have several of them for you tonight. But Danny is, Danny is brilliant, okay? He's a pastor up at Bethel Church in Reading. He is the pastoral pastor. So he does, you know, all, oversees the counseling and the healing and all that kind of stuff. He's just got so many amazing quotes. But this is what he says. He says, freedom causes our personal responsibility to rise to the surface. We either rise with it or we lose our freedom. The only way to cultivate freedom 
is through experiencing and learning how to handle an increasing number of options. Managing increasing options is how we expand our lives into ever-increasing abundance. Isn't that good? See, God, there was, there was choices in the Garden of Eden, was there not? Doesn't change. Because love requires that you are free to make a choice to choose him. And to choose yourself. To choose meaning choose to be good to yourself also. There's a lot of choices like that that you have to make. When it says losing your freedom, that does not mean losing your salvation. Totally different. When you, when you say yes to Jesus and accept his free gift of what he's done for you on the cross, that gift is yours forever. It is. It's yours. You don't have to be afraid of that anymore. But don't you want to live as the royalty that you are, don't you want, don't you want into that treasure box every day of your life? When you start making poor choices based on who you are not, then you stop seeing all the treasures that are right there. They didn't go anywhere, but you just, for a while, you just can't see them. And the enemy starts lying to you and it's, it's, it's bad. And God says, no, we're going to flip this around again. You're going to remember who you are, even in the midst of choices, especially in the midst of choices. Here's another one, Colossians 2.10. Focus your attention on Christ, whose life fully reveals the nature of God, and you will find fulfillment through your relation to him, for he has authority over all earthly powers. Uh, I love this picture, so I just wanted you to see it. Isn't that awesome? That's my Jesus. Uh, Of course, he's way better than that. That's just a picture. But uh, that's Jesus. He, He really is a happy guy. Um, he's, he is really not wringing his hands wondering how this world's going to turn out. He's not wondering how you are going to turn out, by the way. He's already been in your future with you. See, when he says, have you ever thought about that? This is a little rabbit trail, but it's a good one. Have you ever thought about that verse in Philippians that says um, that I'm convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. How could Paul be so darn sure of that? How can he say that as a completed fact? Doesn't he know that, that not only thousands of Christians in his day, but millions, maybe billions worldwide are going to read that someday? How can he make that kind of statement? I'll tell you exactly why. Because Christ who's outside of time, has already been in your future. So he's not wondering if you're going to get there. He's already there with you. If that doesn't blow the circuits in your brain, I don't know what will. I didn't say you were going to understand what I just said, but I just said it's a good rabbit trail because it's going to encourage you. How else, how else could God know you're going to make it? But I will tell you, he wants you to finish strong. And finishing strong, I'm going to get back to saying finishing strong does have to do with what you do with your freedom. Because you have freedom to change the world. He's given you freedom to make a huge difference in this world. And it's what you were born for. So come on, let's, let's go after it. Here's another one. This is oh, uh, Colossians 3.1 now. If indeed you have experienced God's resurrection power, then live a resurrection life. Ah, live who you are. We, we have all these amazing promises and somehow we separate them from who we are. 
See, you're one with Christ. So these amazing promises that we know, okay, Jesus died, he's raised to new life, I'll be raised one day. Well, that's true. We just had a memorial service for a beautiful um, woman, Amy Lewis, today. And uh, I could go there for a while, but it was such a sweet, sweet service. And, and she, was so, uh, she was such a lover of Jesus. Um, and, and we got to celebrate her homecoming. So it's, it's true that one day we're going to be raised in that way with Christ. In fact, this is what I said about Amy who died. And that I, what I will remind all of you, one day, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, we're going to know as fully as we are known. One day we're going to know the Lord as fully as he knows us. See, there's something in this life, in this, in these, in this state we're in, in this, in this world, before we graduate to glory, there's a part of us that feels incomplete. And it's going to be that way until the day we go be with him. It says it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's, we're, it's not that we're going to be stripped bare. It's not that who I am is going to go away. It's that I get a covering over the top, full of the glory. And, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. Do you remember in the book of 1 John, it says, if you see him, you shall be like him. Remember that one? And so in this world, in our limited, uh, we see in a vision dimly, it says. We see through a glass dimly. So in this world, we see the Lord. And as much as we see him, we become like him. But there's going to be one day, and Amy just experienced this, where she saw the Lord, no veil, no glass dimly. The moment she looked into his eyes, she knew him the way he knew her. Dang. That's what we got waiting for us. Wow. So, it says, you've already been seated with Christ, is what it says in some of your translations. So, uh, we've been raised with Christ, seated with him. And, um, and it's saying, live, therefore live your life in light of that truth. Because you and he are one. Um, now we're, now I'm just, a lot of what I've shared with you so far in chapters 2, beginning of 3, has still been a lot of focus on Jesus, even though it talks a about us and our relationship with him. I'm going to turn the corner here and talk about our relationship with each other now. So this is Colossians 3, 12 to 14. And uh, Paul says, through this interpreter, my friends whom I love deeply, dress your new self with the appropriate new clothes, those which enable you to relate constructively to each other. Now understand, clothes is a metaphor, you know that, right? That picture can say, wait, where's my clothes? Let's go shopping. Um, this is part of saying you, you have a resurrection life in Christ, now live like it. And you're saying, great, I want to do that. Live like what? Oh, well, this is part of it. Live like this. I want you to, to wear the clothes that Christ gave to you, um, which are going to help you to relate constructively to each other. Um, I, by the way, the next, I think I have several slides um, this this is all Colossians 3, 12 to 14. So this is only the first part. This is like part of verse 12. Okay? Um, I'm telling you that because I actually have Danny Silk quotes in there. And then I get back to the scripture. But it's all Colossians 3, 12 to 14. All right. So how are we going to relate 
to each other constructively. Here's first some Danny Silk quotes. Control wants compliance, but honor wants the engagement of the heart. If I want to control somebody so that I don't have to deal with issues, you you could do that. You can control people. But what you get is compliance, especially if you're the one with more power in the relationship, if you're the parent, if you're the boss. You can make people comply. You just exert a little more pressure, a little more power. But But honor says, I want to engage with your heart. This is really what communication is truly all about. It's, it's not even about, I, I say this all the time to people, it's not even about who's right or wrong. It's really not. It's amazing how often that's, the, that's what we're trying to establish or go back to. And it's like, no, that's not even the goal. The goal is, is I want my heart connected to your heart. So we're going to talk honestly with each other. And, um, you know, sometimes that's difficult. In fact, it, it's going to be difficult at times. Here, here's another quote from him. If, if your goal of communicating is agreement, like I just said, we're trying to agree on everything, who's right and who's wrong, then you need control of the person you are communicating with. Instead, he's saying, make it your goal to understand. Totally different goal. Changes how you do things. Here's, I think, yeah, another two quotes. When I share my feelings with you, there is an into, into me you see moment. And you get to respond to my heart. One of the reasons why it's so hard for us to communicate at a deep level is because it's scary. To really share your heart means I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. It's no longer accusing. It's not a lot of the things that we do. Now we're going to say, you know what? My heart really hurts. And when you do that, you've now actually given that person the um, ability to step on it if they choose to. That's scary. But without taking that risk, we'll never have deep relationships. And that, and that gets really lonely after a while. We weren't meant for shallow relationships. We really weren't. Here's another quote from Danny. What's the biggest problem two disconnected people have? The disconnection. Hey, there's a word. So get the connection back before you attempt to solve the problem. See, a lot of times we want to go in and roll up our sleeves and we already got you know, the anger thing or the fear thing. Actually, it's almost always fear that shows up as anger. And, um, and we want to we solve everything right away. And we're not going in there in a very good place. And, and guess what? That's all kind of in the air. and People feel that. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to actually share with you some, some things that have helped me. And, and, and for you, I want to help you. How do you get in a better place so that you can have conversations that are good? Uh, this says, no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. And uh, I'm going to go on with that scripture verse from Colossians. Um, Out of your new self, express a generous attitude, kindness, a proper estimate of yourself. That goes back to value. Because if you value yourself the way God does, you will start to value others in an entirely different way. And especially, um, out of your new self, express humility. So that when, when you have differences of opinion, you can look at the problem from the other person's viewpoint. When you have, not if. Anybody been in a relationship where you've never had 
disagreements or differences of opinion? If the answer is yes, I will actually tell you that's not really a real relationship. You're going to have some differences of opinion. So what do you do with that? Well, this is where Paul is saying, I'm going to keep reminding you, Sometimes people jump to chapters 3 and 4 of some of these books Paul wrote. I've even seen it over Colossians 3 in a certain well-known translation that says the little addition by the editors, not by the original writers in the Greek, says rules for holy living. Really bad title. Because what that tells you, especially if you skip to that place in Scripture, you've just lost the whoa, Jesus part. You just lost that. You went right to a list of rules of how to make yourself a better person. Mm, It's not going to work. It's got to be, what was Jesus' command? A new command I give to you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Don't forget the as I have loved you part because you can't do the one another part without the first part not going to happen. So I'm reminding you of that because you see something like this and you can say, well, I got to, gosh, I got to work on this and this and this. No, if, if you're seeing areas of your life that need, need change, go this way. Not, not I'm going to change me. When, when Susan said, talked about Sozo, that's one way where you can say, Jesus, here's my heart. I want to change. I don't know how. I know some things aren't quite right. Don't know why I get mad the way I do. Don't know why I shut off the way I do. Jesus, show me where it is. Start healing me because I want this healing. See, now you've asked him to change you. Entirely different. And as he heals you, you're going to start believing who you are. Sometimes there's, we're stuck in places because of past wounds or things. We don't really believe who we are, who God says we are. Once, As he's healing you, you know more and more who you are. Now you start acting as you are. Not acting as in play acting, but just being who you are. All right? Here's another, the last part of this verse. After a heated argument, ooh, does that ever happen? Okay. After a heated argument, forgive each other's offensiveness. That sounds different to me than release your offenses. Forgive each other's offensiveness. You were really offensive to me. And Jesus says, guess what? You get to release that. You get to forgive that. Just as Christ forgave you. Oh. See, now you're going, now you're hitting below the belt. Thought this was just about me and this person. And I wanted to kind of be mad for a while. And Jesus says, well, why don't you think about how I have not considered any of your offensiveness? Isn't that awesome? It's what we all want for ourselves. But for somebody else who wronged us, we want justice. We want all kinds of things. Is there a time to go back and talk? Of course there is. But I want to tell you, if you come into a conversation with the offense, it ain't going to go well. I'll tell you that already. Just free advice. It's not going to go well. It'll get ugly. So that means you, this is going to keep going back to you and the Lord, isn't it? It really is. That means you get to go back to the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm feeling this. I don't like to feel this. I don't want to feel this. Wait a minute. You love me. Okay, God, through time, I'm shortening the time span here for you to where you finally say, Lord, you know what? I don't want this. It's exhausting. 
I could, would you give me your heart for this person? Would you give me your eyes to see them the way you see them? When you really pray that and mean it, things start changing big time. Now you can go talk to them in, a, in an entirely different way. And the most important piece of new clothing for you is to be, that you're to be sure to wear is love because love is the evidence of maturity. There it is. It's amazing. I told you before how we talk about going out with your dreams and your passions. Go change the world. Absolutely. What's going to change this world? Love. Love. More than anything. And sometimes we get caught up in certain things we want to do for God and we make that the big thing, the main thing. And God says, what I'm really after is how are you loving people along the way? So uh, that's really, really what this is all about. Here's another Danny quote. Oh, sorry, never mind. We're going to first talk about releasing this offense. When I was driving the other day, uh, something happened. I don't even remember. I can remember where I was driving a couple weeks ago. And somebody cut me off, did something. I don't remember. Can you imagine that? Me, a pastor. And they, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so there you are. I'm, I'm looking in the rearview mirror at them because whatever, maybe they did something weird and then they came behind me. So I'm looking in the rearview mirror behind them and right away God starts talking to me. It says, you could keep looking in the rearview mirror if you want. Or, it says, if you'll just look ahead and forget about this, release that offense, within seconds, you'll even forgot that it happened. But if you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to keep thinking about it and keep remembering it. It's going to keep doing something here. Like, oh. Um, here's another visual of the same thing I just said. So there you are, you're looking in your rearview mirror at a storm when there's blue skies right in front of you. Which do you want to look at? That's, that's what releasing offense does. Releasing offense causes you not to look in that rearview mirror anymore. And you look ahead because God says, I've got great things for you. That Looking behind is going to totally rob you of what I have for you, even right now. Um, so there's a releasing. There's a releasing of the offense. Um, I think this is, yeah, here we go. Here's a Danny, Danny quote. More from Danny. He says, being easily offended is neither a spiritual gift nor a fruit of the spirit. It's a symptom of immature love. I told you he's brilliant. You know, up at Bethel, they have no problems with confrontation. They really don't. They're like, kind of, here you go. Um, we'll help you through it, but you've got to look at it for, in a real way. He also says, to, to mistake bitterness for a healthy boundary is costly. Boundaries always allow us to keep our love on. So a lot of times we say to people, well, I got my boundaries because you wounded me, you know, and so, um, but see, that has nothing to do with love when it's with that attitude. Like, you're not going to get around me because instead, boundaries say, I love you enough, I want the best for you, I love you enough that since you're not being, not making wise choices, you're not remembering who you are, Therefore, you're not safe to yourself and you're not safe to people around you. So we're going to start putting some safety nets around you for a season. But see, a lot of times we also want to keep people in that place forever. And God, and let me, any of you change in the last year? 
Last 10 years? Oh my gosh. You know, how many arms do I have? Yeah, okay. Me too. And it's funny, we know we change and we want people to see that we've changed, but a lot of times we keep people locked up into some place, something they did a long time ago. Um, I know there's a lot that could be said here um, about you know people who have been deeply abused and things, and, and I understand um, there is healing for that. I do understand that there's some, sometimes some very needed boundaries, but I do want to say that far too often we throw all kinds of things into that category that are no, nowhere near that severe because the enemy is trying to blow everything up and make everything so huge. And if we'll start to love each other, have our love on, by not holding on to offense and bitterness, we really can work through stuff. Um, and we're all learning it, myself included. Okay, we're all going to go there. Here's another one. When you change the goal of your relationship from connection to distance, it only leads to destruction. So if your goal is no longer connection, but now it's how far apart can we get? Um, it's, it's not going to work well. Um, and speaking of destruction, <laughs> Colossians 3.25 in this same translation, if you create broken, destructive relationships, you will receive the payoff for that too. And it makes no difference who you are. Yeah, that picture is self-explanatory right there. And so I want to I just kind of... I'm kind of slowly wrapping it up here now to um, remind you of love from 1 Corinthians 13. This is how it's described in, in this Heart of Paul book. Let me describe love. Love stays in difficult relationships with kindness. Love does not play one-upmanship, nor does it react to those who do. See, we always want to talk about others. Well, they didn't have their love on. Even saying that means you don't have your love on. <laughs> So it's saying, not only are we not playing one-upmanship, but if the other guy is, we're not actually going to react to that either. See, it's always your choice to have your love on. It's all, it is your choice. Um, and, and let me tell you, I know it's challenging at times, but it is your choice. Because other people cannot control you unless you allow them to. I know your brain's still thinking about that one, but that's okay. It, it's a true statement. You have control over yourself, so you can choose to have your love on. Love is not rude or grasping or overly sensitive, nor does love search for imperfections and faults in others. Love celebrates what is real, not what is perverse or incomplete. And here's the rest of it. Love is the most enduring quality of human existence. It keeps on keeping on. It trusts in God in every situation and expects God to act in all circumstances. Nothing can destroy love. When I was um, in my sabbatical, I told you, if you were here that day when I was explaining it, that I read a book, a series of books called The Circle Trilogy by Ted Decker. Um, which is the three books are um, black, red, and white. Amazing books. I highly recommend them. And in them, I was, I was reacquainted and re-stirred with the great romance between me and the father. And um, also, um, in a whole new way, 
receiving the, the amazing miracle of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And again, this is fiction, by the way. It's, it's, it's fun books, but, uh, but boy, it did something to my heart. And so as I was reading this about, um, about me dying with Christ, that I've died with him in my baptismal waters, how real that is. I'm just weeping. The Holy Spirit's all over me, and I'm, I'm, I'm weeping. And um, I begin to uh, see some things, and I begin to type as I'm, uh, actually my eyes are closed and I'm just typing what I'm seeing and what God's doing. So this is what I wrote that day on February 4th. I said, um, I said, I believed the whole time, talking about the, the sacrifice of Christ for me, but somewhere I lost the wonder of it all. Jesus really, really died and took our disease, our sin disease with him. And I died with him. I drowned in the lake. I took in the water into my lungs. I came up, coughed up the water, and I was alive. The disease was forever gone. I am alive with Jesus. He rides in laughing triumphant. Yes, there is trouble in the world. There's always, there always will be until the day that every knee is rightfully bound before him and every single tongue confesses that he is Lord. But just like the best novel you've ever read, Every time the next situation comes up that seems impossible, God turns it around in some amazing fashion in a way you didn't predict. Every time, without fail. Jesus scoops me up. Now I'm, now I'm kind of like lost in this vision. Jesus scoops me up on his horse. That's why I put this up here because this was actually our original logo, if you want to call it, of, of the church 10, 11 years ago when we started. And, um, and this is really similar to what I saw. Jesus scoops me up on his horse and he says, ride with me. Things look very different from my horse, don't they? From my perspective, there's fire in his eyes. It's a deep passion that knows all is well and under his ultimate control. He says to me, we're going places, Brent. We're going to spread my love around the world. We're going to offer hope over and over and over again. Never tire. You have my spirit now. It's not up to you, Brent. It never has been. But you are on the ride of your life. You're not only going to go as my representative, but I go with you. So never tire of loving. Never tire of forgiving. Never tire of extending grace and mercy. It's what I came to do, and you and I are one. Inseparable. And I went on, now I'm talking to Jesus. I'm still eyes closed typing all this. I love you, Jesus, my amazing, beautiful, precious, powerful, Savior and warrior, King of love, Jesus. Use me any way that you want. I'm your true servant of love. Your agenda is mine, Jesus. Your will is mine, Jesus. Your heart is mine. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. My heart beats strong with passion like yours, Jesus. My heart has purpose again, your purpose. My Redeemer lives and I live with him forever. Nothing can kill me because I've already died with you. That means that nothing can even kill my spirit. 
No arrows of discouragement will work any longer. I'm yours. I'm one with you. I will keep riding with you into the sunset. My place with you is secure. You've given me your lightning bolt of love, and I'm sitting, I am seeing all this. Uh, I'm on, well, I'm going to explain it right here, but everything I'm telling you, I'm absolutely watching as, as, as it's unfolding. You've given me your lightning bolt of love that is more powerful than any force in the universe. I wrap my hand around it and I feel the reverberating pulse through my body. Standing on your horse's back with my left hand on your shoulder, so I'm standing up here, I get to hurl one bolt after another, to the earth, wherever you point me to. The bolts of love never end. Love is infinite. So point, Jesus, to where your love strikes this day. I know if I, if I teach and preach a message like this, every single person in this room, we all, we've all blown it in relationships. That should free everybody here. Okay? Um, we all still have relationships that, that sometimes are, are awkward or you're in the midst of trying to fix them or whatever it is. And I just told you, the only way you're going to have the ability from the Lord to get into that treasure chest that's inside of you and to act as you truly are is, is intimacy with the one who is the key. His name is Jesus. I, um, just even recently, there was, um, very recently, there was a time when, when I had, had this difficulty and I'm saying, Lord, I don't want this. I release the offense. And, and trust me, that's all really good. That's important. You know, I, I, I receive your power. I release this offense. But God, I, I really want your love. I want to love this person. And, and there are times where God's love just begins to overwhelm and take over. And I'm telling you, this isn't all the time. I wish this was all the time in my life. There are times, there are moments when I really, really get it. In his presence, just how much this is all about love. And how we... We let things stir and we, we play things in our mind, conversations that have or haven't happened over and over again. You know, any of you do that? It's exhausting. And God says, I got a different way, but you really have to tap in to my love. Know how much I love you, but ask for my love. Let my love overwhelm you. Understand that this is truly all about love. Lord, help me right now, because I'm not conveying what I've felt at times, because I'm not feeling it in this instant the way I wish I felt it all the time. I don't know how to explain this, but there are times where I'm like, oh my gosh, anything other than love in relationships is because the enemy is doing a number yeah. and trying to get us to go at it. And, and he, we really do have Christ in us to rise above that, but even that's a choice to go with him. He does things supernaturally, but we have to choose. I want out. I want to rise above this this stuff that seems to always be stirring around. There is a place. I've been there, so I know it's real. I want to be there all the time, but I know it's real. 
Let's just pray together. I don't know what else to do right now except to pray for this. To say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, that you've given us these uh, lightning bolts of love. That, that there's no end to this in heaven. Would you, would you so overtake us? Would you convince us of the truth? That, that this truly is all about love. That, that family is the father's dream. It's his dream that we're one family. It's his dream that though we have difficulties, we actually grow through them and learn through them so that we come out the other side different people and more in love than we were before. And, and that's supernatural because we can't do that, Lord. We can't do it, but, but overtake us with your love. Would you let us see from your perspective, even those people, as I've been talking, those people that you have all thought about out here, different ones that you've thought about where there's difficulties, for each of us, Lord, would you pour in your love for that person? Would you let us see them the way you see them? Would you let us see that just as you've released uh, us from any offenses against you, so you've also done for that person. Would you, Papa, help us to learn how to walk in this, in this place that you've invited us to walk in? Because the other way is exhausting. It's just exhausting, God, to be at odds with people. It's tiring. You didn't make us for that. So, Lord, we repent of, of doing that, of, even of breaking off over and over again, it, relationships of breaking off things that, that really is not your heart. It's never been your heart. So here we are, God. We're a family. We're part of your huge family. But we are your family here tonight. And we're saying, Lord, here's our hearts. Would you, would you mold them? Would you melt them? Would you heal them? Would you do whatever you need to do? And would you mold us together as a family? Would you take us into deeper relationships where we're real with each other and teach us how to do that? We've got a ways to go, but teach us how to be real and how to guard each other's hearts rather than having to be right. I'm just going to be quiet for a minute because I think for some of you there's either people he's showing you or things he's telling you, just, just listen. He'll, he'll direct you. I'm going to listen for just a minute. Jesus, thank you that you invite us onto your, well, your, your horse, your authority, your power. You actually have given us authority and power. That's exactly what your word says. But it's the authority and the power to love above everything else. That's what you've given us, the authority and the power to do. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you would entrust us with so much. Thank you that you are the key. Would you take us to deeper places in you? Would you let every person in this room know how valuable they are? Even right this second, whisper to them. 
you know what, each, could you just do this? Could you just say this out loud? And then we're going to give you like, Jesus, 15 seconds, 20 seconds to talk to you. Just see what happens. But just out loud, I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, how valuable am I to you? day I was in a conversation where we were talking about the outrageous sums of money that the NBA players are getting, you know, football players, 60 million, 20 million, I don't even know what that number is, what is that, I don't know, a lot of money, and uh, I was in this conversation with another pastor, and I said, yeah, I was actually Pastor Darren from this church, I said, yeah, Pastor Darren, but do you know what God paid for you? (laughs) The blood of Christ. We're, we're more, we are more infinitely valuable than we could possibly imagine. If that exercise was hard for you, like, I am getting nothing, do not be discouraged. But I do want to tell you that probably somewhere in there is some hurts uh, where it might be hard for you to hear God. So don't be afraid of that. No shame. But there are places where you can get help. So go ahead, because he wants to talk to you and tell you all the time what you mean to him. I want to ask if... Um, we have prayer teams tonight, do we not? Okay, would, would those prayer teams come on up? And um, Because what we like to do, it's, it's 9 o'clock, we're going to break here, um, but what we like to do is just make sure if God's touching you in some way, it could be something even about your heart tonight, about relationships. Can I just tell you though, if you're coming up like about a relationship, do not give them the 10-year version of everything this person has done and why you're trying to forgive them. Because actually that's just rehearsing it. Uh, Often with the teams, I know this is true for me when I'm praying for people, less is better. Because because I can hear God more when you don't give me details. I really can. So, uh, But if you need something like that or if you want prayers for physical healing or anything like that, why don't you come on up and um, we'll let the Lord bless you and I bless you with just mega doses of... Heaven's blessings and a father's kisses in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. All right. So come on up if you want prayer, and if you want to go, you're free to go. There are four books. The last one's green.
Let's see. 